Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. What an episode we have for you today. Dave Kovar, Roland Osborne, the teachers of teachers in the martial arts industry. One of my favorite podcasts I've done of all time. I had two pages of notes just from interviewing them. Uh, so I know you guys are going to get a lot out of this. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. They've been trying me, but I'm resilient for real. Follow your path to success alongside icons. I like all the profit, man. I hardly do percent. And industry leaders in martial arts and fitness. I'm a hard hitter. This is the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's get it. And now, Adam Kiefer. All right, guys. Hey, we we have a super... uh, cool episode of the podcast coming up. And I was really, really excited for these two gentlemen to, to help make this happen. Um, Roland Osborne and Dave Kovar, the teacher of teachers, and I think are responsible for the education of instruction in 99% of martial arts schools across the country are here. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Great, great. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Excited to uh, do this with obviously Mr. Kovar, who's been training people all over the world for a lot of years and uh, obviously coming together and, and doing something like this is awesome. Yeah. Well, I was talking to both these guys right before we, we started recording and like, I think both of them I've been following since I was like a young kid, like wanting to be an instructor and, and learning from. Um, so it's, it's been awesome to have you guys on here. Now, uh, one of the things I did yesterday was I posted in our group just to see what, what some people wanted to ask you since we have you guys both in the same place. Uh, one of the questions was, in your guys' opinion, when you're looking at a great instructor, what, what qualities does that person possess in your eyes? So, Mr. Osborne, how do you want to do this? You want to go back and forth with who answers first? Otherwise, we're going to be both being polite. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, start. You can I'll go start. first. Yeah, okay, sure. I'll just go first on the first yes. one. You got the second awesome. one. Uh, okay. So, for me, for me, it's 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 will and skill. Uh, and and so, first thing is someone that wants to be there. You know, that wants to teach. I think that's most important. Uh, but then they have to know what they're doing because if you have, we've all seen that instructor that has a lot of a lot of skill. They've been doing this a long time. They know what they're doing, but the passion's gone. And then you have the flip side. You have that instructor that knows friggin' nothing about teaching, but they've got all this enthusiasm. And and I would, you know, it's so really it's the combination of the two with with the will, the want to be first, in my opinion. Makes sense. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree. Really. That, that I mean, that's powerful. And and uh, as you travel around and you get to see schools, you're going to see phenomenal martial arts martial artists that don't have a lot of students, and it, and that breaks our heart, right? You have somebody that's such a great martial artist and doesn't have that many students, and then you have somebody you go out and you watch, and maybe the martial arts skills aren't that great, but they have a ton of students. So how do we create that formula and create the synergy between somebody who is not only a phenomenal martial artist? a phenomenal instructor at the same time. And then like Mr. Kovar said, has the teaching skills. And to me, that's kind of like that triangle of success that we try to work on when we're building instructor teams. It's like, yes, we want you to be a phenomenal martial artist, right? We want you to be good. We want you to live the life. We want students to look up to you before you, for your skills and everything that you've done. Right. But teaching skills and the skill set to teach is completely different than the martial arts skills. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people go get degrees in teaching. So it's like, you know, what are those core fundamentals, those class mechanics, those teaching skills that you want to have, which are really important. And of course, like that personality and the energy and the enthusiasm and the charisma and all that is fantastic. And that's what you want because people go in there for motivation, right? We, let's face it. We are teaching martial arts, but they want to be motivated. want to be excited. So if you're missing that component as well, 
it's going to be really hard to be a dynamic, successful instructor. Love it. You guys are great. Um, what, okay. So let's say I have a student in my school and I, I see a potential in the student. I want them to become an instructor. Uh, what would you guys suggest for all the school owners out there? What's the first thing I need to start training this person on to help develop them into an amazing instructor? Yeah. So um, I, I think what, what potential do you see in them? Like, what is the potential? When we look out there and we're looking out on the floor, like you said, you see potential. I mean, what are you seeing? You're seeing that they're a great martial artist. Do you see that they have great personality? Do you see that they're talking to other students and they're kind of fun? They're a natural leader. Like, what are you looking at? Sure. I, I think it could be different aspects of that, right? So I think sometimes you have those students that just exhibit those natural leadership qualities, right? Like you can have that kid come up and lead the class through warmups and they just naturally like sort of hit it as well as one of your instructors might do. Um, sometimes it's that martial arts ability for me though. I look more at the personality side of it sure, than sure. anything like, and, and the effort. So like effort attitude and just like ability to, to be in front of people. Right. So those are the, some, yes. some things I look at, but uh, once you have that person, cause I know there's so many different methods of creating an instructor, right? Once you have that sure. person, how do you mold them into that next level? So I think so once you see that, you identify that, hey, this person is kind of a leader. Maybe they have the attitude. Maybe they're trying their best. I think it's continuing to hone that. But most important is having a leadership instructor training program at your facility. Your bench strength tells you a lot about the future of your business, right? And um, when you have a, a great leadership instructor training program like Mr. Kovar has, you have those step-by-step -step systems. They're coming once a week. They're learning how to teach. Or maybe it's once a month in a lot of schools or even every quarter. You're giving them the teaching skills and then you go out when they assist class and you're able to hone in those skills, give them the feedback so they can continue to get better. Um, like I said, teaching is a different skill set than martial arts. So mm. you've got to develop it just like you have a stripe testing system and you have a daily curriculum, a weekly curriculum, a monthly curriculum that leads to Bell graduation and testing. Uh, I believe that you should have the same thing for your instructors and same thing for leaders. If you say you're building leaders at your school um, and you don't really have a leadership training program, I think that's a missing component. So maybe having that structured program available for them to go through and then actually see them out on the floor and continue that process is, is something I think every school should strive to have if, they're, if they want to build their bench strength and they want to build instructors. You know, I, I think great stuff. And then the other thing that I think most people, uh, they're lacking uh, in instructors because they they have short, they're looking short term. And what I mean by that is most people, they have a problem. They need someone right now. They need someone yep. tonight. Yeah. And they look around, they start looking, okay, who, who can teach tonight? And really what they have to do, that's a hard problem to solve, right? But what they have to do is they have to be looking because guess what? In two years from now, they're going to need somebody. Yeah. And that's an easier place to spend your time. So the, the quote that I, the, you know, what I like to tell people is plant seeds early and often. And, and you, you, it's never too early to have a conversation with somebody about potentially being an instructor someday. And, and, you know, so it might be, man, you know, someone might've been training with you for a, a month or two and you're not going to say, Hey, you know, uh, you already start teaching next week, but you might plant a seed something like this. Hey, hey, how are you enjoying your training? Oh, I love it. It's great. Well, you know, I think you'd make an excellent instructor someday. Would that interest you? You know, really? Well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking for right now is I'm looking for for you right now, clearly you're not ready to do that, but 
I like that they continue to, you know, to come to class on a regular basis, continue to just have that great attitude and, and uh, we'll, we'll touch bases in the future. And then that's kind of your planting seeds early and often, right? Lots of seeds. And then whatever type of a leadership program for us, is we call it TNT teachers and training, and we don't care about rank. We'll get them in really early into this Mm -hmm. program and just once again, uh, get them involved in the process. And then what do you know, two years goes by like fast and kind of a, a rule of thumb is, is that how many times have we all seen somebody that had all their eggs in one basket? Oh, this guy's going to be great. He's 17 now. He's going to be this amazing instructor and he's going to take over my school. And then he falls in love with someone and moves away to Florida and you're stuck, right? And and so it's, it's a matter of, uh, of of planting a lot of seeds. It's kind of like you need to plant 10 seeds for one to bloom. And, and that's an important place to start. And then what 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 Roland said about have, making sure that you have a, a program in place mm-hmm. so that there's a conscious uh, method with which you're you're instilling these teaching skills. Love it. Excellent. So, so I think those are great. What do you what do you guys say to the person though that has that need right now? So maybe they don't have enough bench strength or it's too young of a bench for them to have someone take over. What what do they do, Dave? Uh, uh, yeah, well, a couple things, you know, that first off, that's a really hard one. We all know that. You can yep. hire somebody from the outside, certainly. And and I know on the East Coast with our schools with Nancy Walls, we did that very successfully. But for every person that we hired from the outside, we probably interviewed 10 to get there. Sure. And what you have to do when you're hired from the outside, you can't, you can't, it's got to be the ideal person. Like what I mean by that is if you think, if you ever try to think, well, if I close one eye and turn my head sideways and squint the other one, I think that instructor yeah. might work. It's not going to friggin' work. Sure. You know, so you, you got to make sure that they're in line with your, uh, basically your methodologies. Like when we were in massive expansion mode a few years back, what we did was uh, I was in charge of, we went from four locations to 20 locations in a year and a half. And I was in charge of staff development. And by the way, it didn't work. Just so you know, we ended up cutting back on those. We learned a lot of stuff that didn't work. But in the process, a couple strategies that I would do is I, when we get somebody from the outside, I would convince them that it's a good fit and I would get them to go, oh yeah, okay, I guess it might work. And it never did. So now what, once you get from the outside, you have them view a class or two and say, tell you, here's the deal. If you like what you see, let's talk. If you're thinking to yourself, ah, maybe I could work here. Uh, it, it's not going to work. In other words, you have to really believe in, a, sure. in our in our culture, and 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 it helps also if they respect you as a martial artist, right? So they're not just a mercenary. That's a big chunk of it as well. Uh, so that's that's one way to do it. it. The other way is that if you've been in business for any length of time, you have so many alumni that are not happy with their careers. And and for, give me an example. I had this gal when we were in expansion mode that her name was Erlene and she taught with us from the time she was 16 till she was 18 or 19 and she went to college. And uh, what do you know now? She's It's three or four years later. I'm at the movie theater at, 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 and Erlene's taking tickets. And I go, Erlene, what are you doing? Oh, Mr. Kovar, big hug. So good to see you. I go, what's going on? Well, college didn't work out and I'm over here trying to figure out what to do. And I go, yeah, hey, I'd love to have you back as an instructor. Are you kidding? This was her comment. She said, I thought once you quit teaching, you can never come back. And it's probably yeah, based on who knows where she got that. Maybe I said, sure. you know, it's really hard to get back in once you leave. You know, may, who sure. knows? But that was her thought process. So what I did was, uh, uh, you know, I took that in mind. I, I printed out a list of all our inactive students. That's when I still print stuff out. You guys don't. You stay online, but I still like the piece of paper. I'm a paper, paper right? guy. Okay. Yeah, all right. And, and I went through and I started identifying 
you know, people that, you know, I, I basically came up with this list, brown belt or above. That had quit in the last few years. And I was looking for people that are over 18. And I this had this massive list because at the time we still had several schools in my business for a long time. And then once I did that, I kind of went through the list and um, would, would put a, a, a face to a name and decide and came up with, with 50 people that I wanted to call. And from that list, wow. I picked up the phone and basically asked how they're doing. It was it was the same thing you do with an old student. It's just, hey, just checking on you. How you doing? What are you up to? And if I find out that they moved away, I wasn't going to continue on with a saying line, do you want to be an instructor? But it was amazing how many times, first off, I'd hear great stuff about how much they enjoyed training and how much they missed the program. And then I, I would just uh, mention that I'm starting an instructor training program and were they interested? And it was surprising how many people that I have to this, that I still have to this day that, that came off of those calls. So that's, if you've been in business for any length of time, that's a possibility as well. Because remember, how many times have we had someone that went away to college? They were one of our secondary black belt hot shots and they went away to college and and, but, you know, it's not always for everyone. Next thing you know, that the, the, the career is not going as they'd planned. And looking back on and becoming a martial arts instructor, all of a sudden sounds pretty good for many of them. Now, just a quick follow-up question real quick before Roland goes, Dave. When you're, when you're calling those people, the, your instructor program, you're putting them in, are you putting them in as a paid position or are they paying to be a participant in that program? It, it's completely based on supply and demand. Got it. That makes sense. So if I, how badly do I need an instructor versus how badly do I want people in my instructor's training program? So it's all based on that, depending on their, their skill. Did they work for us before? Are they already trained? Are, are they green? All, all those variables come into play. So it's a case-by-case -case basis. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, yes. Roland, what, what about you for that immediate need? Yeah, I get, you know, I get this question a lot. And so um, we really have a really cool process for this. A school will call or, or I'll be talking to an instructor and they're like, hey, you know, we need we need an instructor team. And there's two ways to do it. One of them is we'll hold actually an instructor training day. And a lot of times I'll go out and I'll train their staff for six hours. And I said, look, let's pick. I want to build your bench strength. You know, let's pick 20, 25 people. And a long time ago, there's a great uh, instructor, Paul Garcia, and he was doing a seminar and we were talking about instructor training. This had to be 25 years ago. And he was like, he's like, look, a lot of times there's a lot of diamonds in the rough that you just don't see because you're training them and you're looking at them with the wrong eyes. And so what we do is we'll go in, we'll do a six hours of training and we'll go through all the basic core fundamentals and teaching mechanics and all those things. And they're out there and as we're practicing you know, their delivery, you know, their, their, their opening speeches, their power phrases, all these things and they're going through and their teaching skills and they're going through the process of that learning circle and everything. And we're watching them. And I tell the instructor, I go, we're going to watch together, but we're going to see, you know, who's got, who's got it, who's got that best experience out there. Who's going to be able to, we'll be able to train pretty quick and we'll go through there. And, and, and I ask them to specifically get at least 20 to 25 people. And a lot of times we can look like even an empowerment team, right? Your empowerment team can be your junior kids that are like seven to, to 10 year or seven to 12, which are helping in your little tigers class, your four to five year olds. They're leading by example. They're in the horse stance. They're demonstrating for you, you know, those kind of things. And then you've got your, you know, eight to 12 year olds. You've got your preteens, you know, which will be in the eight to 10 year old class. And then we look at your teens and your adults. And so we look at not only just dynamic assistants, but or empowerment leaders and then also instructors. When we get through that day and I'm like, hey, here's your, here's, in my opinion, here's your top three or four candidates and let's continue working with them throughout the next two weeks and work hard with them, you know, if you need somebody right away. But at least that gives us a good chance, builds the bench strength, and then they can continue in that leadership instructor training course. All those students can. 
Um, I've done the upsell before for them, whether like Mr. Kovar said, whether it's supply and demand and you just want them in that course and you're going to give it to them free or you're going to have them buy the, the instructor training uniform and belt or whatever that is, or you want to upsell them to an actual leadership instructor training program. We can do all three depending on the need of the school owner. So going in there and having that Saturday or that big Sunday where we go in and, 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 and really take a look at a large portion of the students, go through uh, the basic teaching strategies and fast forward them, which a lot of times could take six to nine months. We can get done in pretty much like a day. You can get through most of the in instructor training um, mechanics in a day. And then it's just obviously practicing them, getting them down in the classes or, you know, in a course. I think that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, immersion training is awesome. And what you said is I found so true as well. Sometimes we can't get, we, we're in our own way. We, we see someone in a certain way as someone else can have a completely fresh look at them. And exactly. we might look at this person as young and immature because that's how they were, when we, you know, but all of a sudden they're a different person. So I look at kind of three methodologies. And the first one is what you just mentioned, and that is immersion. I love that all day training concept, right? Uh, number one. Number two is, is ongoing and specific, like some kind of weekly meeting where everybody gets together. And number three, which might be the most important, is on the job. And that is, is that giving people feedback as they're going, I think, is super important as well. And one of the things that I see is a lot of people, they'll start their leadership program. When they first get it going, they have all these helpers. They're, their mat is flooded with helpers. And then a month and a half later, there's no one helping them again. And often yep. the reason is, is because you know, feedback is the breakfast of champion and, and the person that's running uh, the program was not giving these people a clear expectations and feedback. Here's what I want you doing this class. Here's how you can help. And at the end of the class, here's what I saw that you did well. And here's how you, you, what you can do to improve. And, and if you can add that element into it, then all of a sudden you can really jumpstart, get people, uh, you know, uh, better, faster. And, and I think it's also important to remember in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king and what that means. By the way, I said that in front of Chip Townsend. He laughed pretty hard when I mentioned that, you know, because, of course, he's got one. Yes. Yeah, he yes, goes, hey, yes. Fortunately, he's my good friend, and he couldn't kick yeah. me because we were online, right? Otherwise, I but, but you, know, you don't always awesome. need a high-level black belt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just need someone that's that's further along than your student body to, to be assisting in class. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'd like By the to way, I was just that. speaking with – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, sir. Oh, I was just going to say, Paul Garcia, I just was with his staff last week, as a matter of fact, doing training. What a great guy. He's been in business a long time. Knows yes. his stuff well. Yeah, he's, he's a great instructor and a great martial artist as well, which is cool. Yep. Yeah, no when, when it goes to, the, you know, you brought up really two, two points that I've seen a lot of people struggle with in their leadership program or instructor. Let's just call it instructor training program because that's what we're building, is uh, exactly what you said. A lot of times they'll have them assist too much. It's like they get, at, get into class and, you know, yep. the students are there, you know, three, four hours are going to their classes and they're burned out by the end of the yep. month. And then the second part, you know, to that, what I what I'd like to do is when you have that team is if you have 20, 25 people, they assist one class per week. That's where they get the on the job training. Right. They go to one class. And if you look at the math, you'll have one person per every class, which is great to help you assist and to help you empower the other students and to hold pads. And you can you know, see how they're doing. And of course, you'll continue to give them certain sections of the class or maybe a certain portion of the students to to teach and work with as you're continuing to groom them. And the second part is what you said is the feedback. And we created like a teacher's pro card. And on that teacher's pro card, it's very easy. They bring that pro card with them every time they come to assist. And it's really just checkoffs. And it's it's rating them from one to five. So 
Uh, three is three is passing. Three is great. Five is your phenomenal. And so it just gives us a feedback. I can just go through like five, five, three, one, one, didn't do or whatever. And there's a small little section on there that just says improvement for my next session. It's not what you did wrong. It's just some, something I can improve on. We just look at one focus, you know, next focus. I don't want you to stand in the corner anymore. You know, you're going to walk to each person. You're going to move the lines better, whatever that is. And that's your next focus. We put three of those pro cards on, uh, on, on one sheet or four of them on one sheet. And now I've got a month worth of training at the end of the month, you know, I can bring it in and we can look at everybody's pro cards for the instructor training and, and they can talk about what they need to work on and what they improved on. So that system, exactly what you said, and, and we've all made that mistake where, we, you know, we've had people out assisting on the floor and we realized that there wasn't that feedback, like you said. So just continuing to train over the last doing instructor trainings and doing building instructors, you just kind of get these little tips and tricks, which is awesome and, that you brought up. And I, those pro cards have been really easy, efficient and fun. You can have, if you have two or three assistants, it doesn't take you too long to fill them out, mm -hmm. you know, uh, at the end of the class for them as you're starting the next class. It should just be quick, check them off, hit your key points, uh, your key indicators, depending on what level they're at in this something, one improvement thing they can do to get better. And I think, like you said, Mr. Cover, that inspires them to come back and improve. They can look at it. They bring it back with them. And they're like, okay, this class, I'm going to improve in these areas. And, and of course, there's that friendly competition. Their goal is to get, you know, fives across the board all the way through this time which is which is nice yeah well you know and one of the things that you touched on that that certainly we all learn the hard way is the worst thing that you can do is take an enthusiastic teacher or assistant or someone wants to do it and overuse them so yes. my rule of thumb is because you're going to burn them out so my instructor i came up in a in a, in a, a private lesson system i think maybe you did too there mr osmer i don't mm -hmm. know where everybody mm -hmm. got private lessons and what happened yep. was is that when i was a 14 year old purple belt I was teaching all the time because they needed instructors. Now it worked for yep. me, but I saw them go through instructor after instructor because they'd get burned out. So my rule of thumb sure. is if someone wants to help out three classes a week, never let them help out more than two max. You always want them doing a little less than, than, than they want to because that's going to perpetuate their training. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, how many times have we seen someone overuse a, a really excited instructor only to burn them out and they're gone? Yep. And, and yeah. so that's one of those ones where as tempted as you are to take this one enthusiastic instructor, ease them into things because otherwise yeah. uh, uh, too much too soon is not a good long-term recipe. Yep. See, this is why I wanted to get you guys both on here. The the back and forth of ideas and things we'll probably that probably just keep going implemented is, is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny too, because you guys, some of your answers, like there's like small things that I've gone through in your training a hundred times that I still forget. And I'm, I'm like yeah. taking notes as I'm going through this of things that we need to implement just based on this conversation, which is awesome. Now, um, Right now, we're in a little bit different scenario than I think we've been in the last like 50 years in the martial arts with- uh, uh, Really? What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? What's different? Yeah. What uh, happened? Well, Cobra Kai came out. So uh, now- That's it. Uh, so we, we, we obviously have the pandemic going on and uh, depending on what state you're in, you're at a different level of being closed, open, partly open, whatever. But one of the things that I've noticed more just with some of the schools I work with is not having parents in the building- is affecting dropout rates, I feel like, because even though the child may feel feel like they're getting progress or getting better, the parents not seeing that progress. And if school owners or instructors aren't having the the great communication skills with the parents still and finding a way to communicate with them regularly, we're, we're seeing uh, probably all-time lows for attrition rates in a lot of uh, schools based on the conversations I've had. So for, for the advice for the school owners out there that maybe 
aren't able to have parents in the building or, or parents watching classes, how can uh, they go about communicating progress uh, to those parents since the traditional ways aren't, aren't really there anymore? So are you talking about in line on, on Zoom, all of the above? Yeah, so even, even uh, I know some locations can have like 25% capacity, mm -hmm. but they can't have mm -hmm. spectators. They can right. only have the kids indoors. So you don't have that parent being as involved there watching and, and actually seeing what's happening in classes and seeing the value being delivered. So one of the strategies we use, and it's not perfect, and we're still trying to figure it out, but we're a lot better, is number one is we've got all our classes streaming, you know, whether it be the Zoom link or, or a Facebook Live so that parents can watch on that. The other thing is that I've always been like probably heavier on staff than other schools. I like having that extra person. Sure. And we actually have, uh, in, based on the size of the class and the time, we'll actually have one of the instructors or the program director out in the parking lot speaking with parents while class is going on. Awesome. If, if, uh, and some of our configurations, with our, our larger schools, we can have people in. So it, I'll tell you what, it's it. And then on Zoom, um, the last five minutes of class, we say, please go get your parents. And, and, you know, it's surprising how, when you ask and just assume you're going to get them, how many, what a high percentage of parents you can actually get. So you can go through the activities. And then we will take, uh, uh, we will say, Hey, um, Adam, can you, do you mind if you and your dad stick around for a moment? Everybody else see you later. And boom, now I've got you and I'm going to do a one-on-one. -on -one. The other thing we do is we've been doing massive amounts of online private lessons, which gives us a chance to address the needs of the students. Uh, we want their parents involved. And they're only 10 minutes long, but it makes a, an incredibly big impact. Love it. Yeah, those, those are great strategies. I, I mean, most of those are, are kind of similar to what I would say. Obviously, the camera is streaming. Um, having a, an extra instructor out there to go speak to the parents, which is phenomenal. I think also educating the parents. You know, I really like a firm believer in, in creating that, you know, top five strategies to help your child to excel in martial arts during this time or to excel in life during this time. We know mental health is just such a big issue right now. So having the ability of educating them on how to continue to inspire their kids right right after they're going to their class how to keep them involved to keep them motivated in their martial arts training and i think right now having that announcement and educating the parents on that having a parent seminar on that uh, offering that i mean right now because they're so used to coming on zoom and so used to doing that you can hold a friday night workshop you can hold a saturday workshop you can hold that on you know the five greatest things right now that you know martial arts is going to help your child with and uh, just continuing to get them being cheerleaders for what you're doing in your program. So uh, definitely doing that and doing a workshop on that. When I was doing uh, a lot of Zoom classes, because I did a six-week course for a lot of schools around the world. And when I did that, I had a printout for every training session on Saturdays. And at the bottom, the student got extra credit points, right? Because it was kind of like a gamification. It was a fun class. You know, if you did you know, we were doing hand strikes and then we do the 30 second challenge. You got a point for every hand strike and then we do kicks and then you got to, you know, whatever kick the theme was and every, all the way through, they were building, you know, that excitement and building those points up. And then the last part of the class, you know, having their parent participate with them, having their parent there to hold targets for them, they got extra credit for that. So they got those printouts ahead of time, which was cool and kind of fun. And, uh, you know, we gave out cool uh, awards and stuff like that. So I think having that something physical piece of paper, <laughs> paper days, uh, actually something in their hand that they could, this parents could fill out and make those classes more interactive for them, uh, I think also helps. And then the private lesson I was going to say too, you know, having that five to 10 minute private lesson check yeah. in with them, you know, just letting them know like, Hey, you know, 
whatever it's a weekly plan or a Saturday plan, depending on where you live or, you know, Saturday and Sundays, we're doing private lessons for everybody, you know, enroll for those and, you know, included in your program is awesome. And just being able to check in with them, see how they're doing and check their progress and then talk about their next stripe testing, graduation, goal planning, whatever that is, I think can be a, a, some powerful strategies there. Yeah, and I think it's important uh, to, to remember that time does not equate to value. And what I mean by that is, is that how many of you guys have been inspired by some short conversation you had with somebody? It may have been a very short conversation, but it was enough to kind of get you over the, the hump. And, and what I think a lot of people do is they think they need to schedule on a half hour with a student for a progress check. And you really don't like, you know, you can you, in two or three minutes. Uh, you can you can do a lot of value to 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 charge somebody up and give some great feedback and you know I think it's important that you remember that we're all emotional beings and we're we're in other words logic and emotion are like oil and water they don't mix and when I can keep that emotional connection strong with my students they're going to stick with us more likely and something else that you said Roland that I think is really important when you were talking about how you adjusted you did these special classes is that one of the things that I constantly have to do is is remember that things are different. Like for example, yesterday, Monday staff training, um, I'm going over the reactivation script that I wrote 20 years ago. Okay, because we're in the process of reactivation. So got a couple of guys from the audience and we're going back and forth with this script. And these are all high level people that have been doing this a long time. And one of our new program directors, she just ad-libbed and she added all this great content having to do with Zoom, et cetera. Like one of my things I always said was, and, and, if, and it, when you're talking to someone and you find out that they moved away, you're not going to ask them if they want to train again. Well, guess what? We can still do it. On We have people training all over the country yep. from our school. Sure. And it was one of those sure. things where uh, I think we constantly have to reinvent ourselves. And this is, I, I got to admit, this is what I need to work on, you know, is to make sure that, that the, the, the concepts I think are universal, but the strategies might be different based on the circumstances. And, and this last year has, of course, presented a whole different set of circumstances that we've got to be able to have that shoshin, that, that, that beginner's mind to make sure we can maximize the, the opportunity. Uh, awesome answers, guys. I think there's tons of things that everyone listening can can grab from that. Well, one thing I want to add that's actually been working really well for our school, um, there's a, a Chrome extension for Google Chrome called Loom. Uh, and I started working with a business coach uh, probably three or four months ago. And the, the one thing that this coach uh, and his team has done really well is they reach out to me every single day. Um, and he sent me a video probably a week after signing on with him. It was a five-minute video, and he just sent me a link. And then he started sending these consistently to check in with me. And I was like, man, uh, this is awesome. It's personal attention. It's personalized to me. So we actually started doing this with our students. And the cool thing about Loom is right from your computer or your phone, you record like a 30-second minute video. It auto-generates a link immediately. It's like almost instant. And then we just grab that link and we text it to our students. So at the end of the night, our, our team will has to pick at least one student from every single class. We have a little spreadsheet. We keep track of it. And then everyone will send a Loom video to a student. And the cool thing is, since it's going to the parent's phone, they're seeing it first. And then the emotional response is there because it's like, man, the Coach Kiefer took it. time to actually do this personal message to, to my son or, or my daughter. So just, just another hack that everyone can use. Oh, man. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah, that's like the upgraded uh, empowerment card. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, we, we, we know how, you know, students never get mail and, and when they get something home, right. And those little empowerment cards are awesome. You know, you just drop in that little note and how awesome they're doing, or, or again, talk about the progress that you, you were kind of looking at doing. And I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I still, I still teach this every single time because I don't know how many kids have come in with those cards and they're like yep. so excited. 
So the more we can continue to do those strategies and then obviously doing it digital, like that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I want to date myself. Do you mind if I date myself for a minute? So back in, uh, this is the late eighties. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, my, I had this dot matrix printer and I would, I would print out a card that, that had a, I, 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 you know, great thank Love having you class. And then I would, I would, I would write their name, dear, there'd be a blank and I'd write their name. Okay. And, and it was just a, a total generic letter. Uh, yeah. and I went, I dropped a kid off from demo team practice one time. I had a van full of kids. We'd just done a demo and the parents asked us in and we went inside and, and they are showing me the house and we end up, uh, we end up in the hallway and there's this bulletin board and, posted on the wall was this dot matrix generic letter with his name that I scribbled in. And it was so important to them in that format that it was on the wall. Right. And it was a reminder. It really hit me between the eyes. Like, wow. You know, those, anytime you get a, you know, an awesome card, something, especially handwritten delivered to you, uh, that will always be timeless. You know, I think the the video is is great, but you know, the, the handwritten postcard of some kind that drops is is incredibly powerful and always will be no matter how far along technology, technology goes that's still good that's one of those timeless things that will be worth its weight in gold 100%. and dave i think part of the reason that they they love that that printout is because they knew you took the time to rip off the holes on the side from the <laughs> sheet of paper <laughs> oh man <laughs> no i love it though we yeah we do postcards too and um we get awesome feedback and also kids never get mail right so when they get a piece yep. of mail they're, they're super excited about it um all right so i, I have sort of a, a fun question for you guys um so have you guys had any other jobs besides being in the martial arts industry? If so, what was it? And was there anything that you learned from that job that you've been able to apply in, in what we do in the martial arts? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Yes, I had a few, several. And uh, yeah, I was because back in the 70s, uh, I was working for my instructor teaching from the time I was about 14, but I rarely got paid. He paid me every now and then. Right. And so uh uh, I was always, uh, you know, a janitor and, and whatnot. But I, for several years, I, 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 I uh, was a house painter by day and taught martial arts in the evening. And uh, anytime, I got two kind of uh, examples of, of, of what I've learned. One from the painting is I remember there's this one scene of me walking up three flights of stairs into a cockroach infested apartment in 110 degree weather to do sheetrock repair. Uh, with with two five gallon buckets of paint, right? Uh, I have this etched into my memory forever. And anytime I wonder, oh man, four classes back to back, I remember that scene, and it very quickly reminds me of how you know lucky I am. And then the other one was uh, prior to that, I spent I had a stint as a, a Pizza Hut. I went to a Pizza Hut management school for a few months, and it was the it was the worst. I know no disrespect towards Pizza Hut or fast food. It just it wasn't. I'd already had a school for a few years, and it wasn't working out like I wanted. So I knew that I. I thought I needed a real job and I'll never forget having to answer the phone saying, welcome to Marconi pizza at a home of the personal pan pizza. This is Dave. May I help you? <laughs> and you know, it, it, it's a uh, script, script uh, firing it, it from me, the beginning. Yeah. It, it really made me appreciate having those other experiences really made me appreciate what I get to do now. Love That's it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually was talking to one of my friends last night about this. We were talking about like what your purpose is and what your passion is, right? And uh, being a martial arts instructor, starting at fifteen, and then I was when I was eighteen, I, you know, I wanted to get two jobs. You know, just moved out, and I was like, I, I got to make things work. You know, I left. You know the story. I left with two bags. I had one bag was all my clothes, and the second bag was all my certificates and martial arts <laughs> weapons. Literally, that's all I had. <laughs> I slept on the floor for a while, right? And um, I was delivering Snapple machines during the day. 
And yes. so I'm, I'm running, I'm running over all over. There's no GPS even at this time. I got the little <laughs> Thomas guide street by street. And I'm, I'm delivering six to eight Snapple machines per day. And all I did during the day while I was doing that, and I didn't realize this at first, but I would go to every location, whether it was a liquor store, it was some fancy store, wherever it was. And I would look at the shopping center and I'd be like, whoa, this would be great <laughs> for a martial arts school. Whoa, this would be great for a martial arts school. And then I would drive as fast as I could back and have my first private lesson at 3.30, you know, so I had to like get all of them done and I would drive all throughout LA. And, and I realized like three to six months, six months later that I, all I kept saying was like, this would be a great place for a martial arts location. This would be a great <laughs> place. And that's what was one of the most important things for helping me to really understand where my passion and my purpose in life really laid, you know, and uh, I had to get out there and I had to go through that experience. And, um, you know, I was on the now and then pay plan as well. Like Mr. Kovar was <laughs> getting paid uh, every once in now and then <laughs> you get a You get a payment. So I was, I, you know, I, I was like, all right, how can I make this work? How can I go to my instructor? And I re I personally went restructured a whole payment plan based on the growth of the school, you know, making like a dollar a student, making this, doing this per week. And he looked at it and he's like, you know what, this is awesome. Let's do it. And I was like, Ooh, I went back in. I was like, all right, you know, give me my last uh, set of Snapple machines to deliver. And, uh, and uh, I'm going back to being a, a full-time instructor. So that's one of those things that you just got to go through to learn. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think uh, time outside the industry, uh, like you said, Roland makes you appreciate how, how good we have it for what we do. Um, sure. I know I did, uh, I was a Starbucks barista back in the day and nice. man, I learned systems like crazy. There was yeah. instructions for how to wash our hands properly. Like yeah. every little thing in the business, uh, I, I think that was huge. And then, uh, you know, this role and I, I was a DJ back in the day with the bleach sure. blonde hair spiked up, but, uh, that's where I learned like sales. Style. Man. Yeah, we used to sell bootleg <laughs> mixtapes uh, at our high school, and then we we created like a network of high school kids selling mixtapes for us. But uh, that's that's how I learned to sell and and <laughs> able to bring some of that over. I don't know how legal it was to sell bootleg <laughs> mixtapes back in the day, but hey, you le you learn from it. But I, I thought that was interesting to hear about your guys' experience, sort of outside the industry. Do you guys remember um, the first class you ever taught by chance? I remember I the do. first Absolutely. private lesson. Go ahead, Ron. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I remember the first private lesson. And uh, some of you guys know uh, Jason Frank. Uh, and he was actually my kind of a private lesson instructor at the time. And he's the one that came to me. And, you, you know, you brought something up earlier, Mr. Cover, about planting seeds and planting them off. And he came to me, and I was like, I think at the time, a greenbelt. And he said, Hey, you know, I, I, I'm going to be taking over the school pretty soon. You know, I'd like to have you to become an instructor and help me out, assist classes and stuff. And literally, like, I, didn't think I was ready for that. I'm like, I'm just a green belt. I'm just, you know, this. And, and he planted that seed in, in me and it, it just continued to grow and grow. And, and I remember that how life changing that one thing that he said to me was, and, and you brought that up too, Mr. Cover. I was like, is that how you don't need 15 minutes or half an hour to, to, to really influence somebody? It can be just that conversation was like one, two minutes. And he's like, you know, I'd like you to be an instructor one day and, and, and look where I'm at now, you know, being an instructor and being able to travel and do things that I do just based on that, him believing in me one and, and planting that seed uh, too, which is, which is important. But my first private lesson he gave me, which was funny, it was an adult blue belt. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a green belt and I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm 15 and I'm trying to teach this blue belt. And, and I, I was so intimidated. I'm teaching him a traditional form and going through the form and stuff. And it was a private lesson. And he's like, how did it go? And I was like, uh, it went all right. And the, and, and the student was like, 
he came to me like the next day and he was like, yeah, the student said that, you know, he wants to train with me. He, he liked the private lesson, but uh, he wants to continue <laughs> training with me instead. <laughs> and I was like, I was like heartbroken. My first private lesson and the person like didn't want to train with me anymore. Uh, but so, yeah, I got it. That was almost my exact story. I was, it was, I'll, email, I'll never forget it. I, I'm at the dojo. It's Saturday and I was a dojo rat. I would show up. I'd, I'd, I'd ride my bike or take the bus after school Monday through Friday, get there at three, stay till nine. Like, and then on Saturdays, I'd be there all day. And, and this was the private lesson system. And uh, it just formerly was a Tracy's Kempo Karate studio. And then it, yep. it converted uh, uh, to a, it, uh, it. It was no longer, but we still ran it the same way. And, uh, and so I remember my instructor, Bruce Jutnick, was on the phone. And I was sitting in the lobby. And he goes, what do you mean you can't make it? Ah. And it, it was an instructor. I knew the exact instructor, a guy named Pat McClellan. That, and, and he hung up the phone. He looked around, and I could read his mind. He looked at me, and he thought, I'll get Kovar to do it. Nah, he's too young. He can't do it. And he looked around. There was no one else. And he goes, hey, Kovar, I need you to teach a private lesson. And like you said, it was, a, it was a, for me, it was this guy named Dave Sardia. He was like six foot three. My voice hadn't <laughs> even changed yet. <laughs> and I went to the back room, and it was, come on back. Let me show you how to kick some butt. You know, and, and, but fortunately... <laughs> He was so patient with me and I did everything yeah. wrong. But when I got done, it was like, Hey, that was, that was really cool. And that kind of started it for me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's funny. Similar. And we, you know, we did come, uh, we did come from the Tracy sales system and, and stuff. Yep. So it was the classes in one private lesson or classes in two private lessons yep. per week. Yep. Same thing. Roland, your, uh, your story reminds me a lot of mine. Yeah, well, but, but I guess mine's sort of like a combination of you guys, right? So my my dad was the owner of the school, and whoever's supposed to teach the intermediate kids class wasn't there for whatever reason. And I was 12, and my dad's like, guess what you're teaching today? You're teaching your first class. And I remember we had the curriculum sheets up on the wall. So every, and it was, there's no rotating curriculum. Everyone, every belt was learning something different. So I remember before class, I'm like looking at the sheet, trying to remember all the curriculum. And I thought <laughs> I taught an awesome class. And then afterwards, uh, my dad's like, yeah, um, the two sisters in the class, they, the mom wants to take him out because he played like 30 minutes of games. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I just thought we got to make sure they have fun. So yeah, I think all of us uh, had a little trial by fire, but it's it's good because we've developed systems since then to to pass it on. Um, so I I know uh, in our industry, I learn a lot from outside the industry. Are there any specific brands or companies that you guys admire and sort of take things from to implement into your own businesses? I, you know, I, I would say that uh, one of the things that we do in, in when you're building a brand, it is important to have different brand strategies. You know, you want to look at the, the brand that you look up to the most or maybe one that inspires you and also the one that's the least as well. And uh, there's kind of three companies that we look at when it comes to hyper that we feel that fit the same energy and is a similar. So one of them is obviously Nike. Uh, the second one is Hurley for their lifestyle and um, just taking a look how they were able to take surfing and create just a clothing brand out of that and help bring congregate people together that are into the same thing. And the third one is Equinox, uh, looking at the way that they structure their curriculum and their professionalism, their clean, the simplicity of their brand uh, and delivering the curriculum. So Nike from an athletic standpoint, Hurley from a standpoint of, um, you know, just, just lifestyle and then Equinox in the way that they run their facilities and run their gyms and, and, and the high level of that. Those are three companies that I kind of look at and, and follow and watch when it comes to us strategizing and, and being inspired. Love it. 
It's interesting. When I, uh, 10, 15 years ago, one of my partners, we went out and toured some Equinox facilities for the same reason, uh, mm -hmm. just to see all the extra touches they did. It was really remarkable. So yeah. for me, it would be more individuals. Uh, uh, I, I think, uh, like, for example, like, like classic, you know, the E-Myth would be something we picked up a lot right. of, of things that we were able to implement. And, and, and I, and uh, I think I could probably do a better job of looking at other industries, but I, 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 my learning curve is always pretty good, but it's more targeted towards like, like right now I'm on a Tim Ferriss kick. There's so much great stuff from either yep, his books, sure. tools for uh, Titans or his podcast, where I'm able to take things that I'm learning from that and apply that into our business pretty successfully. Yeah. Tim Ferriss is pretty amazing. And, and I really like what he's done. He's kind of like hacked life. Right. Yep. He's like, yep. what, what, what are the, what are the, the, the life hacks? And, you know, I've read the tools of Titan. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing. It's like, it's impossible yep. to, to, yep. to you know, huge. every knowledge of every, every podcast. Right. You're like, man, I got to sit and think about this for a minute. <laughs> and then like you go to the next one and you, you know, you're, you're listening to these high level achievers and whether they're Olympic athletes or the high level business people or Elon Musk, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I don't, sometimes you can just sit and think about one small chapter of that for forever. So that, that's, he's really inspiring. He's done a great job of, of kind of hacking life, which, which I try to apply to, you know, in the martial arts industry, it's like, how can we you know, create the instructor the fastest, you know, how can we mm -hmm. create the martial arts athlete the quickest, you know, how can we life hack, uh, you know, in, in, in character development or creating power phrases and stuff like that to, to create these phenomenal students and champions for the game of life. And so I really, really appreciated that book a lot. And yeah. Well, that's something that you've done remarkably well. So I'm always impressed with how creative you are and not Thank just you, creative, sir. but kind of specific, you know, on points and, and, and I just, I'm always like, wow, man, that's just you know, really remarkable what you've came up with. And I think you've done a really good job from my perception. And you and I don't talk that often. We see each other every now and then and we will get caught up. But that you're, you're really good at like, like being really productive with your time. And to quote Stephen Covey, you know, Quadrant 2, I feel like from my perception, uh, you do a good job of kind of, of the planning that's necessary. You know, that, that, that you, you, you take that time and that's why you've been able to come up with such, you know, such, such great products. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Love it. Um, so uh, if there is one thing that you guys had to tell school owners for 2021, because I know a lot of school owners are still rebuilding from last year. Uh, and like we talked about, sort of in different phases of not even fully being open yet. Uh, what's the one thing that, what's the one message you guys would give to school owners to help them get through 2021 and make this uh, a better year than 2020? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll take a, a crack at that. So, so first off, you can't control what's going on around you. You can, but, but your actions and your attitude can influence the results, how it affects you. And it's very cliche, but for me, it's focused on three things. So, you know, your, your attitude, uh, your, your action and your adaptability, not necessarily in that order. In other words, being able to adjust. And, and uh, I think that one of the things that I always try to do is position my challenges in a form of a question that assumes there's an answer. And, and, and what I mean by that is instead of saying, oh, I wish I could, oh, I can't do that. I wish I could. It's like, okay, how can I maximize uh, the success of my school in 2021 with all the current restrictions? And what that does, that allows, it sounds simplistic, but allows your unconscious, allows for you to ask the right question that's going to direct you more towards an answer, so to speak. And, uh, and, you know, we're right there. Like right now, you know, we've got schools in a couple different counties and, 
And, uh, you, you know, 2021 with 220, excuse me, was a challenging year for us as our business goes. You know, we, we, we you know, we, we have eight corporate locations. I shut down two permanently that I'm not going to open up and again, and, and we're, and we're hanging in there. We're fighting the battle, but you know, we've had to pivot from on demand. Of course we have on demand classes, zoom classes, parking lot classes, park classes, and in the dojo park classes and everywhere in between. And, and so it's definitely been tricky, tricky and, uh, and taxing. And I, I would just tell everybody, uh, you know, stay the course, man. Get up every day and do as much as you can today because something there's something magical about action. Motivation follows action. When you're taking action, you you feel like you're more in control of your destiny and it changes your perspective dramatically, you know, uh, and, and then and then pay really attention, good re- attention to the results so that you know which way to direct your energy. And then, you know, I know I, I talk about this all the time, but take care of yourself. Don't let the stress get to you. You know, make sure that you're taking time to exercise, think right, read right, get enough sleep, because if you want to be the best person for your students and for your team and your community, you got to be at your best. And that's especially challenging with everything that's going on. So as my grandpa said, when you're in a hurry, take your time. And my interpretation of that is like, like when you got all this stuff going on, make sure to, you know, to build in every breaks every day so that, you know, that, that you can pace yourself over the long haul. Because that's what it's going to be. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to, things not going to go away in the next month or two. It's going to be a bit of time before, you know, things level out, in my opinion, anyway. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful answer. I mean, so we could just write all those notes down and just follow that plan right there. And, and uh, you, you know, you obviously can be destined for success and those strategies, you know, just to, 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 you know, replay on kind of what you said, obviously being open to adapt. And I think that's really testing everybody. A lot of people kind of sat back and like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do Zoom. And the longer you sit, you know, the, the harder it's going to get. So, um, you know, being open to adapt and, and look at new ways. Uh, also, I think networking. I really feel that networking is really important. I remember the first event that I went to last year. Obviously, all of our events got canceled starting, in, I think, the first week of March. And the first event that we did was October. And it was still was kind of a, you know, a, a event that we were not quite sure how many people were to come. And, you know, we, we had... Um, we had uh, about a hundred school owners. It was the end of October, about a hundred school owners there. And it was interesting. It was the first time that any of us had the chance to network and look at each other and just see a smile and just see other mm-hmm. people in the industry. And I know we're networking a lot online and we're networking on Facebook, but just keeping that network alive, chatting with your friends is important and, and feeling that. And especially in our industry, you know, it's like, I'm not quite sure if I want to do zoom. I'm not quite sure if I want to do this. And you, you know, you and I have networked a lot and we're yeah. talking about what we're doing. It's like, I just get that little spark of inspiration. I needed to push me a little bit farther, which is good. So continuing to network. And then you and I did that event in November, which was great. And people are like, this is the first time I've been out, yeah. you know, to, to an event. And everybody was just felt so relieved to just even just talk shop. You know what I mean? So I, I think continuing your network and working with people. And I also think of looking at the adversity advantage is what I keep telling me. There's always an advantage in every adversity, right? And I think the adversity advantage here is cleaning up our systems. And you said it, Mr. Kovar, you know, you, you close two schools because, you know, they, they were hanging on and, and, and the tree can't grow uh, sometimes with the limited water that it has, right? And so we've got to trim some branches. And I'm finding that working with a lot of schools that uh, – you know, it says cleaning up the systems. We're cleaning up the curriculum. It's a perfect time to do it because you can change things, you know? Yep. And you can even at the end of the day, you could you could say COVID, COVID did it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, some people have been like in open schedules and now they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're actually making schedules and they're cleaning up their curriculum. They're systemizing their stuff and they're, you know, they're dropping off some of the dead weight, maybe instructors that weren't cut out mm-hmm. to really run the school or build the school the way they wanted to. 
And uh, some people, you know, who have multiple schools, I know plenty of school owners with multiple schools who have, have shut schools down, you know, and, and just closed them. And so I think it's about cleaning up those systems. So looking at the adversity advantage, which is, is sometimes hard, but is a, is a powerful mindset, you know, like a lot of the stuff that you were talking about, Mr. Kovar is just having the right mindset and looking at the, the challenges that we have and, and what we can learn from them and continue to move forward. So open to adapt networking and, and clean up the systems and this finding what that adversity advantage is. So when you come back now, you can come back cleaner, sharper, stronger, kind of like, you know, we had, uh, you know, in, in the recession, what was that like 10 years ago? Right. Um, and, and maybe 10, 13 years ago. And, and a lot of schools, we had a lot of schools closed and a lot of schools stepped up their game, stepped up their marketing strategy, stepped their teaching strategies, their curriculum, they cleaned it up and it just came out better through the end. So we, we've got to find that, that, that light, that, that powerful light at the end of the tunnel. Love Good it. Thoughts. And, and, you know, it's, it's never easy, but here's the deal. When is it ever, you know, I have a couple <laughs> thoughts. First off, how easy was it to run a martial arts school a year ago? Huh? Like, whoa, you know, so much different, but but and then I think we just have to remember it's like, you know, all the words that we teach our students, this is our chance sure. to, to, to actually live them. Right. Yes, and we sorry. talk about perseverance and indomitable spirit. Well, OK, you know, th this is our chance. And, and, you know, adversity doesn't make the person. It reveals the person. And how do you want to be revealed, you know, to yourself, to your family? And and, and I, I think it's it's kind of a daily thing, meaning you got to get up every day and, and do what it. Uh, guard your habits so that you 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 can make sure that you because having the right mindset's easy to say it's yes. we're all challenged by you know gr the gravity that pulls us down around us you know what I mean we have to have some really powerful rituals in place to kind of guard that uh, so that we can continue to be you know at our best. Yeah, I love that. And, and a couple of times it's it's awesome because you know there's a couple of times being accountable, right? It's like yeah, we say all this stuff, and I was like, all right, yep, I I say all this stuff, I gotta I gotta prove it, I gotta go for it, I gotta do it too. Go so I love yep. that. All right, last question, guys. Um, we got a, a lot of schools, as you guys both mentioned, have probably gotten rid of some employees, cut back on some things, uh, and you have school owners probably <clears throat> working more hours in a day than they have maybe in a, a really long time right now. And uh, that that burnout factor, I'm sure, is starting to set in for for some school owners out there that are doing all the teaching and, and sort of like those one-man shows or, or maybe just really thin on staff right now. Um, what advice do you guys have for uh, school owners that are sort of struggling through that that burnout, that school owner burnout that tends to happen from time to time? Well, I, I would say that, it, you know, Mr. Kovar pretty much answered that question. It, and it, it's really, you know, it just comes to your basic foundation of your uh, living habits. You know, what do you do every day? You've got to continue reading and even more now. you got to guard those and, and, and really stick strong with those during this time. Um, having the accountability of, of living up to what we teach, right? And what we preach and, and teach it and just be that person uh, that you need to be during this time, I, I think is going to be important. And, and for me, a networking is important, you know, being able to talk back and forth. There's plenty of times I've got a good network, you know, you and a lot of other trainers that I call and talk to, and sometimes on a biweekly basis, I'm like, hey, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this? Going, uh, listening to webinars and, and, and podcasts and things like that, that can keep you inspired. Everybody has, you know, some different rituals that they that they do. Um, definitely, like Mr. Kovar said, exercising. You know, that's just powerful. Yep. You know, that just everyday exercising, training, and, and feeling that's going to keep your body strong and keep your mind strong, and, and, and really to help you continue to to, to get through this. Um, I mean, that's just what I see from from my perspective. Good stuff. You know, there, there's. Uh, I think burnout happens when you lose sight of your vision. 
you yes. know, is, is that's when it, it's certainly you can overwork and it, it can be that as well. But, you know, when you're inspired, you know, you don't get burnt out as easy. Right. And there's there's three types of of of. Uh, of, of motivation. There's desperation, inspiration, and purpose. And, and, and we can be motivated by desperation. I've been plenty of times. Hey man, it's the fourth of the month. I got to get my rent paid. You find a way, you know, you work hard till you get the rent paid. And, but that usually tends to be temporary. And then there's inspiration. You know, you, you know, something inspired you, you read a book, you listen to a podcast, you watched a movie, whatever. And that's great. Inspiration is great, but it also tends to be temporary. What's what tends to be more sustaining is purpose and having a real clear idea of, of why you're doing what you're doing. And for me, one of the things that I think is really valuable, like, like, uh, uh, is making sure that like, if you get thank you cards from students and, uh, you know, you know, we've all gotten that note where someone said, you changed my life, you changed my family's life, etc. I would keep that front of mind because when you're, when your why is strong, it makes it easier. You're less likely to be uh, burnt out when you, when your purpose is really clear and, and easy to say hard to do, but worthy of the challenge. So that, that's awesome that you mentioned that, Dave. Um, one of the things that we used to to teach at sales when I was at I Love Kickboxing is we'd actually coach owners and, and instructors on keeping all of those notes and, and uh, awesome emails and feedback from students in a binder. Yep. And the day that they just weren't feeling it, they just open up that binder and start reading about all the differences they're making in people's lives. And that sort of re-energize them for the day and remind them of, of what that purpose is. So I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that too. Awesome. Well, guys, I have like two pages of notes just from this so call. Look at my paper. <laughs> I got them too. All right, that's, we're good. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I uh, am so grateful uh, to have both of you guys on here together. And uh, I always think it's awesome when we have multiple people in the industry collaborating just to, to help out the industry to progress even further. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your guys' time. Uh, if people listening to this podcast <clears throat> haven't heard of you somehow, either one of you guys, uh, what are some ways that they can uh, follow you and sort of stay up to date with what you're doing? I would just say Instagram, Facebook, Roland Osborne. And uh, yeah, that's where I kind of post anything going on. Awesome. Yeah, for me, it would be uh, obviously the same and and go to colvarsystems.com. And uh, uh, we've got all kinds of great products. We've got an amazing instructor training program that's very comprehensive that if someone really wants to take to the next level. And I appreciate uh, hanging with you guys. Uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure watching you grow up. And, and uh, <laughs> I, when you're talking about your dad, of course, I knew your dad well, you know, yes. and watching you and your brother and you know, just as kids. And, and Mr. Osborne, it's a pleasure uh, synergizing with you today. Always fun uh, to, to hang with you and keep up the great work. For sure. Thank you. Same here, sir. All right. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, everyone, we'll see you guys in the next episode. I told you guys that was going to be a great episode and it absolutely was. Uh, play that for your staff, guys. Play that for uh, your instructional team because there's so many pieces of information that they can grab from that. Um, and also it's coming from an outside voice, right? It's not coming from you. So sometimes just hearing it from someone else just helps it to sink in better. Um, so I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, keep following us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We got a lot of more, a lot more great guests coming on. Uh, and we have, man, four or five interviews scheduled over this next week. So we're going to be cranking out podcast episodes like crazy, all with the goal of helping to take our industry to the next level. I appreciate you guys for joining. Subscribe, and we'll see you next time.